Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege, as always, to welcome you to this edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. This week on the show, we will be rounding out our top 10 of the best Christmas Carol films of all time. Last week, I talked about my bottom five of that top 10, numbers 10 through 6. Today, I will be talking about numbers 5 through number 1, so you will find out what is my absolute favorite Christmas Carol film of all time, and I'm excited to get into that. But first, let's talk about what is going on. Well, The Chosen Season 3 is completed, and they have been broadcasting them live stream every Sunday night the last couple of weeks. And so Episode 2 was part of that, and I got a chance to uh, watch that on Monday morning, and I really appreciated it. Uh, There was a scene between Jesus and little James, also known as James the Less, that was featured in this episode that particularly resonated with me. Um, And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this episode. The first thing I want to do, though, is to remind you of the vision that Dallas Jenkins and the other people who have created The Chosen have uh, for this series. I got this quote. I would like to read you quotes from viewers. got this from Stacy, who said, Our 13-year-old daughter saw the first two episodes already in theaters, came home, took her cousin and grandma to the local theater on Friday of opening week, then Saturday went back to share it watching with her dad, then watched the live stream from episode one. The Chosen has lit a fire in her. She is reading the Bible before bedtime, painting and drawing amazing Jesus artwork, and now she's saying she wants to start a Bible study with her eighth grade friends. That is the end game of The Chosen, folks. So it just excites me whenever I hear Dallas say that, that the end game of The Chosen is to get people uh, more excited about the Word of God. And I really do hope that that idea and and those things resonate with you as well. I know that there are people that do not appreciate The Chosen, and I definitely... Uh, believe that you have the right to do whatever you want to with this show. When I do my reviews of the series, I try to be really honest about when I agree and when I disagree with the vision uh, that Dallas has for the series, but I do think that it can be a helpful tool, and so that's what excites me about it. I will be sharing my reviews of this series once it's complete, So that will happen probably starting in February or March. And as I am wont to do, you know that I don't usually do them one after the other. So you'll just have to stay tuned to the Speaking for Him podcast to watch that unfold. This next clip that I want to share with you was actually at the end of the live stream, and it was from an interview that Dallas Jenkins did with Nick Now, this particular episode and the scene that I referenced earlier uh, with Little James and Jesus really resonated with Nick as well, and I'm going to share that scene later, but first I want you to hear some words of testimony from Nick Wojcic about believing God is faithful and good even when he doesn't heal you because his plan is is above our own. Yet, the people who do say that we should always be healed, actually, they're putting God in a box. So, there are people in the world who say, give me a sign and then I'll believe. We know what Jesus says to them. That's different. But for the Christians who put God in a box to say, yes, oh, you think that that's good fruit? You think that that is amazing? That Nick would have arms and legs? Wow, you have no idea that because I said no to this, ready? That Nick Vujicic today is a mandatory grade 10 study. 
in a nation called India who has a religion where I should be an outcast. If you're disabled, you are the lowest rung of the caste system. I can't even get into the education system of America because I'm a Christian. Get your head around that for a second. It's insane. We don't know what we don't know. So don't you dare tell God that you've got a greater plan than him. And don't you tell me that the best plan you could ever imagine is for God to heal me. Just because he gives you a physical miracle doesn't mean that you're going to be closest to him. The miracle of miracles is abiding in him and him abiding in you. So many of the things you're saying, I feel like we incorporated in, in the scene with little James. It's amazing. Where he says, uh, first of all, uh, you, you touched on this a while ago when, when he was saying, you know, it's, it's easy to say the song of David, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, but it doesn't make this easier. We tried to capture the fact that just because you say all these nice things and platitudes, even if you're a believer, it doesn't necessarily make your day-to-day life any easier. Um, but also, he says, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he says, well, yes, of course. And Jesus says, yeah, that'd be a great story. And he says, yeah, that you do miracles. And Jesus says, but think of the story. If you're doing miracles, because that's the thing about the disciples. They went out two by two, and they were doing miracles. They were, they were healing others. And he says, imagine the fact that you're doing that in spite of the fact that you have this handicap. Imagine the story then and what you're able to communicate to people that, uh, and that you find joy in spite of your circumstances and that you believe in me in spite of your circumstances Yes. and the story that you'll have to tell. Um, and I feel like that's what you're talking about. Which exactly. Is, so I am curious. Like you, you got a chance to see the scene. Did, did we do okay? Did it resonate with you? Man, I, t- I tell you, and you remind me of Apostle Paul saying, I have a thorn in my side. I asked God to remove it three times, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I resonate with this so hardcore because I've had three different times in my life where people have approached me and asked to pray for me, uh, for my healing specifically. Now, I have no problem with someone praying for me. I think it's great to be prayed for. I think prayer is a, is a powerful thing and I appreciate it, but they gave off this idea that the reason that I was not whole, the reason that I was in a wheelchair was because of a lack of faith in God. And the reality is that what I have learned in my journey with the Lord is that I can trust him day by day, and with each passing moment, despite or perhaps because of my trials. Because my disability is a tangible expression of the need for dependence on others and ultimately on God. Uh, Because I can't even get out of bed in the morning without assistance from others. I can't bathe. I can't eat unless food is put in front of me. So all these things conspire to remind me in a special way that I cannot do life by myself. And so I really hope that people will uh, watch this episode, uh, specifically the Chosen Season 3 Episode 2, and really see how God can work through the challenges uh, that people have. And for a little bit more insight on how and why Dallas wrote this, here's his comments in the Chosen After Show about this particular challenge. Was that scary for you to write, that especially that portion to try to come up with a reason as to why little James isn't being healed? Well, it had, it's been coming for a few years. So when I first cast Jordan is when I wrestled through all that. Oh, wow. So I hadn't thought of that when we were casting to begin with. And then he comes into the room. I saw his audition and I liked it. Simon, Simon, they're all people. We're clearing the way for the little guy. We? We're leveling the playing field. Yes, we. No, we aren't doing anything. Fine, Andrew, that's fine. And then he comes into the room to meet me in person, and he comes in limping, and, and there's a, it's, it's clear he's got a handicap. And I didn't really take a long time to think about it. I just thought, oh, 
well, I mean, he's a good actor. This is interesting. And he's playing little James. That's interesting. And he, cause he's shorter and, well, okay. And then I just remember telling my wife and going, well, we are going to have to address this because <laughs> it's highly unlikely that Jordan yeah. is going to be healed. And, uh, how is it going to make sense that Jesus has a disciple who's handicapped and who doesn't get healed? We don't have an instance in scripture where Jesus doesn't heal someone when asked to. Now, that doesn't mean it never happened. We don't know for a fact, but it's likely mm-hmm. that Jesus healed those who asked who had the faith. And right. we know little James had faith. So that was where I had all my wrestling of, okay, so this is something that if he doesn't heal him, it's it, it might not be historically accurate. But I do believe it's theologically accurate, mm-hmm. meaning that I do believe... I mean, in fact, I would say I know that there's many people who have faith and who haven't been healed. So we're going to have to wrestle with this. And the question was just when. And season three felt like the right time because in season two, we have this. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. You might have been. But in season two in episode three is when we start to to wrestle with it the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is Jesus is healing a bunch of people and little James is being asked to help because they're all helping. Yeah. And he's going, huh. Why is this happening to them and not me and Thomas just comes right out and asks it why hasn't he healed you how do you watch all these healings today does it bother you fair questions Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about all of this it's never come up not even once I'm just afraid that if I mention it to him it will change his mind about me or something yeah. So we've we've been developing it for a while, and season three felt felt right to to deal with it. So to answer your question about the fear of writing it, by the time I wrote it, it wasn't any longer a fear. It was actually excitement. I really felt like this. I believe that this is sound. I believe that it's helpful. I believe that it's um, a great opportunity for Jordan to 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 finally portray for tens of millions, potentially hundreds of millions of people what he's gone through in his life and the, mm-hmm. what I think is applicable to millions of people around the world. So I was actually pretty excited about it. So I, again, I really resonated with this and I really appreciated uh, Dallas's insight and in why he wrote this the way he did. Of course, as Dallas said, we never read uh, in the scriptures of Jesus denying healing to someone who asked while he was on earth. Of course, um, we read about the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh, which Nick Vujicic, uh referenced. And we know that things don't always uh, turn out well. We know that they work together for good because we know that God has good plans even through some of the greatest tragedies of life. I think about Horatio Spafford in writing It Is Well With My Soul. I think about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in writing I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day out of his great personal tragedy. And you just think about Fanny Crosby, who was blind um, from an accident from a doctor um, at like one or two years old. And the way that God miraculously worked through her life to draw her to him, to himself and then to make her one of the most prolific hymn writers ever. And so, obviously, we know um, that God's plans go above and beyond what we think they should, and that just because things don't go our way doesn't mean they aren't God's way. So, all that to say, I'm just very encouraged today that God has a plan, uh, that he is in charge, and that he's waiting for us to surrender to him so that he can fulfill his greater plan for us than we could ever ask or think. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, but he can only do that when we get off the throne of our lives and allow him to work through us to do his will. So, Before we move on to our main segment today, I just did want to share with you the scene in question, because actually, truth be told, I watched the scene before I watched the episode because Johnny Erickson Tata had shared it on her Facebook page and talked about how it powerfully moved her, and 
that she wanted to share it with others. And I saw it and I was like, this is as if Dallas Jenkins put my testimony on the chosen. And it was really encouraging to me personally to see that and to feel um, God talking to me and realize that God is continuing to talk to me, continuing to use me, continuing to give me an effective ministry, despite or again, perhaps more accurately stated, because of the limitations I have, because they force me to rely on him. And I truly believe that my disability, uh, like the man born blind in John chapter 9, is to the glory of God. And whenever I am out and about in public, and especially when I do something that many people may not think I would be able to do, I really feel that it gives me a platform to show forth God's glory. Because if anybody asks what the difference is in my life, I have the opportunity to say that it was Jesus. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am... Forgive me, I am not always confident to speak. Slow to speak. It's a very good quality. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you a question. Please? So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just find that difficult to imagine with my condition. Which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Then why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you. Right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. So much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the song of David. That I fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And it is true. It doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? 
first of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in Heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer. Your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others. <laughs> oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be here. It's only a matter of time. very powerful and it makes me emotional every time I listen to it or watch it. Um, but what a great reminder to us that, uh, no matter what we are going through here on earth, that one day our bodies will have perfection. Paul said that the sufferings of this present world aren't worthy to be compared with the glory, which shall be revealed in us. And he also said that this corruptible shall put on incorruption in this mortal shall put on immortality, and I can tell you unequivocally that I am looking forward to that day. So let's get back to our top ten list of the best Christmas Carol movies of all time. But before we do that, let's go to our quote of the day. This is actually a, another quote from A Christmas Carol, and it's one uh, that doesn't appear in very many film versions. I think uh, the only one that I'm sure of it appearing in is the George C. Scott version, uh, but it is one of my favorite quotes from the book, and this is from The Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, which I had the privilege of portraying for 16 performances and four weekends at Master Arts Theater. It was an unbelievable experience. I really appreciated everyone that I got to work with, and all of the audiences that came to see us. Um, I hope that you are blessed. I know I was. And um, so, Merry Christmas to you all. Man, said the ghost, if man you be in heart, not adamant, forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? 
It may be in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. And I I like this quote because the ghost of Christmas present is basically telling Scrooge, hey, you're no better than anyone else. And in fact, you may be less fit to live than Tiny Tim is uh, because of the way that you have lived your life. Now, of course, we know that ultimately none of us have more of a right to live life than anyone else. But I think the overarching um, thing that we learn from this quote is that no one is as good as they think they are, and we are all evil and under judgment from God, and we need God to bring us out of evil into righteousness. And I just wish that people would consider this quote when they are thinking about the pro-life movement too. Because a lot of times the pro-choice movement will use the idea of a surplus of population as a reason for abortion to exist. But then you have to ask yourself what the surplus is, where it is, and who it is, like the Ghost of Christmas present does in this particular scenario. So I thought that would be a good jumping-off point for our discussion today as we continue to look at the top 10 Christmas Carol film adaptations of all time. And we've already seen some really good ones, and so today is going to be fun. My number five selection is Scrooge, with Albert Finney in the lead role of Ebenezer Scrooge. It came out in 1970, and it is a live-action musical version of A Christmas Carol. There is no such thing as rich enough. Please, I beg you. I will repent. <laughs> you don't believe in me, do you? No, I don't. We are going to look at your past. There are more good things in this life, Scrooge, than you can possibly imagine. It's Christmas, Ebenezer. I've discovered that I make life. God bless us, everyone. So again, that is Scrooge the Musical from 1970, starring Albert Finney, and it comes in at number five on my list of all-time favorites. Number four may be a surprise to some, and it still is a little bit of a surprise to me, and that is The Muppet's Christmas Carol. This stars Michael Caine in the lead role of Scrooge as a live-action human, Fred as a human, Belle as a human, but most of the other roles are taken by Muppets. Again, when I watched it, I don't know how many years ago I watched it for the first time, I was really surprised at the depth of of the story and the depth of some of the songs. And I think one of the things that made this one as good as it was, was Michael Caine's commitment to do the role of Scrooge as seriously as possible, despite the fact that he was working with Muppets. Ah, humbug. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious and stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? Yeah! They gave a prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. <laughs> How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? 
It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Filled with holiday warmth. Hey, 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 light the lamp, not the rat, light the lamp, not the rat. And Christmas spirit. Jacob Molly. Scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Walt Disney Pictures presents from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Today... I have not one, but two bonus Christmas carols for your consideration. Last week I shared with you Abby from the Lifetime Channel from 1995 as a bonus. And today my first bonus is Miss Scrooge from 1997. And it starred Cicely Tyson in the lead role as Ebenita Scrooge. And she was a ruthless banker very much in the mold of Ebenezer Scrooge and here's a little snippet of that movie Just trying to prove that uh, bankers have hearts too, you know. Save it for your board meeting. Uh, why do you always seem to hate Christmas? I don't hate Christmas, Catherwood. I love Christmas. People become over optimistic, then they overspend, then they overborrow. That's great for my business. Hmm? Uh, spoken like a true loan shark. Well, we all can't be bleeding hearts, Catherwood. It'd be rather messy, don't you think? I feel sorry for you, Ebenita. You're missing so much. What? The joy of giving? Oh, Captain Wood, I give every single day. Taxes. Mm. America is most of you, too, Ebenita. I'm sorry. I, I'm not allowed to make a decision like this. What is this, a yard sale? She wants to borrow money on it, Miss Scrooge. Rudy's pawn shop, one block down next. I already been there. He won't give me nothing on it. Please, I need to raise a hundred dollars for the bail bondsman. It's my boy, Arthur. He's been arrested. If you only knew the story. I know the story. Good kid. Hanging out with the wrong crowd. Turning over a new leaf. If he could only get off this one time. You know how many times I've heard this story. The kid's a loser. Forty dollars for the lamp. Miss Mamie Ellis, I worked for her. She left it to me in her will. It's antique. It's worth a lot more than $40. Next. This was the, the first Christmas carol that I saw that had a female in the role of Scrooge. And I really think that Cicely Tyson did a fine job uh, with this movie, again, it's a little bit different take. I don't think it will ever make the top ten, but I do think it's worth your watching. And I found that it is, as of this recording, still on YouTube. Uh, you can watch it there. And I would really encourage you to add it to your holiday celebration. I think it's a very unique, um, very interesting retelling of the story. And so I hope that you enjoy it. The story of A Christmas Carol is very timeless and 
People continue to want to do it. As I said, I was in a community theater production of it this year. Um, people have been reproducing it for a long time. And this year is no exception. Uh, Luke Evans actually stars as Ebenezer Scrooge in a new animated version of A Christmas Carol. And this one has some familiar music in it because it has music from the 1970 musical Scrooge remastered and rearranged for a new generation. Christmas Eve in London. Who in the world could resist it? Christmas Eve to be jolly. The cost of that ink will be deducted from your pay. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Yes, yes. Ding dong merrily. I have arranged for three visitors to call on you before morning. Oh, hello. You can't change the past, but you can learn from it. Are you ready to live your life now in the present? <laughs> this is far more agreeable than what your predecessors had me endure. <laughs> so what's next, friend? <laughs> and now... To the triumphant musical climax of this celebration. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. It is a lean Christmas, but we have each other and we have the children. There's only one problem. Not sure whether to stuff the goose with the stuffing or stuff the stuffing with the goose. Am I the only one with the power to change my life? To change the lives of others? You can't escape your past, mate. Oh, look away. None of this can be real. Here. <gasps> Did that feel real? My opinion of this particular film is that it was entertaining, uh, but... It definitely was lacking compared to some other versions of A Christmas Carol. And they always have certain ones that do really weird things like change the names of principal characters. I think that in this case, uh, Nephew Fred is actually Nephew Harry. And that seems like an unnecessary change. And then some of the remasters of the songs from the 70s Scrooge were not as good. Um, because the Ghost of Christmas Present sings I Like Life, but instead of it being a traditional musical-type ballad, it became a a hip-hop song. So, I again, I don't think it will ever rank in the top 10, or maybe even the top 20, uh, but it, it was an interesting retelling, and it was bright and festive and colorful, and I did enjoy it for what it was. So now we come to the top three. And to me, this is where it gets really exciting because all three of these films are films that I extremely look forward to watching every single year. Um, most of the stuff on this list I could say that about, but these three in particular are kind of definitive Christmas Carol films in my mind, so I'm excited to share them with you. And we start with number three, uh, A Christmas Carol 1984, starring George C. Scott. I think I may have referenced earlier that this is one of the only, if not the only, version where the Ghost of Christmas Present has his scathing rebuke of Scrooge about the surplus. Christmas, a time for celebration, a time of goodwill to all men. All that is, except... 
except one. Those of us with means should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute. Ebenezer Scrooge, a man whose contempt for others... Mr. Cratchit! ...is matched only by his greed and lust for wealth. Christmas comes but once a year, sir. Poor excuse. Picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But Scrooge is about to be taught a lesson he'll never forget. You will be haunted by three spirits. I think I'd rather not. Charles Dickens' immortal tale is brought to life as you've never seen it before. I am the ghost of Christmas past. You will see yourself. and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. I will not be the man I must have been but for this visitation. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with an all-star cast including Frank Finlay, David Warner, Susanna York, Edward Woodward, Nigel Davenport, Joanne Wally, and George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. A Christmas Carol. Merry Christmas to everybody and a happy new year to the world! And so there is the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol coming in at number three on my top ten list. And you can hear in the trailer uh, that scathing rebuke of the ghost of Christmas present to which I was referring before. I just think that the depth that George C. brings to this role is really excellent, and that's what brings him to number three on my list. Number two is one that, to be perfectly honest, had to grow on me a little bit. And that is A Christmas Carol from 1999 by Patrick Stewart. Now, back when this came out, we did not have cable and it was on TNT, but my dad had a co-worker who recorded it on a VHS tape for him. And then he was able to bring it home to us and we watched it. And I remember there were a couple things about it that I initially didn't like. Number one, Patrick Stewart had his trademark bald look, and I had never seen Scrooge as a bald man. And number two, Scrooge does not return to the two gentlemen at the end of the movie after he's had his encounters with the spirits. And I thought that was a key part of the story. I still do, but they chose not to include it at the end of this film. Nonetheless, as the years have gone by, and it's been 23 years, well, that's hard to believe, since this has been on the air, but it has grown as one of my favorites, and I look forward to watching it every year with my father. From Turner Network Television and Hallmark Entertainment, a Christmas Carol. Damn you, Merry Christmas. A story of a man consumed by greed. A mind clouded by ignorance. A soul drowning in bitterness. What reason have you to be merry? You're poor. I've always thought of Christmas as a time for good, not a time for profit. Nephew, you keep Christmas in your way. Let me keep it in mine. Ebenezer, I'm here to warn you. You will be haunted by three spirits. Ah, this is all humbug. His journey will help him rediscover the spirit of Christmas, find the rewards of kindness, and bring true meaning into an empty life. I know this place. I was a boy here. There are only shadows of things that have been. They can't see us or hear us. Dawn's for us, Mr. Fezziway. One master passion engulfs you. Money. What of it? Our promise to marry was an old one. May you be happy in the life you've chosen. Go after her. Don't be afraid. I am the ghost 
of Christmas presents. Tell me, Spirit, will Tiny Tim live? I see an empty chair by the fireplace. Unless the future changes, the child will die. Tell me, who was that wretched man whom we saw lying dead? Patrick Stewart, in a role he's performed in theaters across the nation. Show me no more. Take me home. Why, you delight in torturing me. And Joel Gray. These are shadows of things that have been. That they are what they are. Shadows of the things that would have been. May be dispelled. They will be. Hello, my fine fellow. What's today? Where's Christmas time? Merry Christmas, Bob. I'm going to raise your salary. Reawaken the spirit of Christmas with the most spectacular telling of Charles Dickens' magical story, A Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Coming this December, only on TNT. This version has a remarkable sensitivity and accuracy to the book, other than the fact that he didn't go back to the gentleman. So I really recommend it as one of my top 10 Christmas Carol films of all time. And as a matter of fact, number two. So that brings us to my number one choice. And if you recall, when I did my top 10 Christmas movies of all time, I believe this movie made number three on that list. So you know how important it is to me in the Christmas Carol universe. And that is Scrooge, 1951, portrayed by Alistair Sim. Did I ask you for more time to lend you the money? Oh, no, sir. Then why should you ask me for more time to pay it back? Hard and sharp as flint he was. You asked Bob Cratchit about him. This timid and intimidated little clerk is portrayed by Mervyn John, Mrs. Cratchit by Hermione Baddeley. The little lame boy, the great-hearted tiny Tim, is played by Glyn Dearman. Michael Horton gives a spirited portrayal of Jacob Marley, the ghost who changes Scrooge from sinner to saint. Co-starring with Alistair Sim in delightful character roles are Jack Warner and Kathleen Harrison. Don't be violent, Mr. Scrooge, so you force me to scream for the beetle. The beetle, madam. <laughs> A thing for the beetle. A guinea? Here, what for? So there you have my top 10 list of Christmas carols of all time. I think the the biggest reason why Alistair Sim is my number one Scrooge and why this uh, edition of A Christmas Carol or Scrooge, I think it's called A Christmas Carol in Britain and Scrooge in America, resonates with me so much is because Alistair Sim has the greatest range of emotion from the evil Scrooge to the tender redeemed Scrooge at the end of the film. His ability to portray both of these things so excellently is one of the reasons why I wholeheartedly recommend this and why I never feel like it's Christmas until I have watched this film. So to review my top five editions of A Christmas Carol, which we covered today, we have Scrooge, 1970, Albert Finney, which is a musical. We have The Muppet Christmas Carol 1992, which is also a musical. That one starred Michael Caine. 
Then we have A Christmas Carol 1984, George C. Scott. We have A Christmas Carol 1999, Patrick Stewart. And coming in at number one, we have Scrooge 1951 by Alistair Sim. So I hope that you've enjoyed um, these episodes as I've unfolded for you my top ten Christmas Carol films of all time. I hope that you'll avail yourself of them and that you'll watch them and that they will be encouraging to you this holiday season. I thank you so much for listening through another year of the Speaking For Him podcast. It's been a, a great privilege to be with you. And next week, we will be covering our highlights from 2022. We'll look at clips from shows throughout the year uh, that resonated with me as important episodes. We hit some pretty big milestones in 2022. We had our 500th episode, uh, which was a live celebration at Brand's uh, Steakhouse, and we had our... 10th anniversary podcast several weeks after that. So a lot has happened with speaking for him in 2022. Very thankful for that. Thankful that you've been along for the ride. If you have any recommendations of episodes you think should be featured in our highlights podcast next week, please let me know. And you could find your episode talked about and featured in that special show. Have a great week and a Merry Christmas, and Lord willing, I will talk to you soon. Keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 